Ms. Carter, please stand. This court, having reviewed the evidence and applied the law thereto, now finds you guilty. Jen, tell us about our drink tonight. Oh, we didn't even say welcome to our fans. You're just getting right into it. I'm sorry, but it's been a long time since we've had some booze. And yeah, welcome to Talk Murder to Me, guys. Mm. Coming from you live from Charleston, South Carolina. And tonight's hint is Mean Girls. So, Jen, tell us about tonight's drink. Well, <laughs> I actually, uh, I actually made this concoction up by myself. I mean, I don't know if it was already a, a, an existing concoction, but in my own mind, it was not. So, I named this drink on recording nights. We drink pink. Uh, it is a mix of Malibu with watermelon pucker, chambord, and some cranberry pineapple juice to make a pink drink. So, let's uh, let's give it a taste. Ask in. Ooh. It's really good. All right, someone get me my bartending license. I might make a little bit more money than I currently am. Yum. I feel like this is going to go down very quickly. Yeah, we might need to make some more. Mm-hmm. See, we did say when the drinks are really good, we're going to want more. Than yeah, and really. plus John's birthday's coming up, so I feel like we need to celebrate. Not to say that you need alcohol to celebrate, but it sure makes it a lot more interesting. Yeah. You know what would be crazy? What? If people sent me stuff on my birthday... That this would coming, be crazy. This is coming out on your birthday, John. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. It'll be too late. Yeah. But, you know. Hey, maybe my hey, Valentine's. And I have, maybe my Valentine's uh, are in the mailbox right now. You never maybe, know. Maybe. Maybe. Hey, if you're listening to this on Taco Tuesday, then happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, John. Happy birthday, John. Yeah. I am 24. Nope. <laughs> 27. Nope. No. I'm 27. A little over 30. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> Can I have my, uh, my bongo drums, please? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. That's me. Happy birthday, dear John. That's me. Happy birthday. You're 32. Oh. Yeah. Happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you. Ooh, should we do presents while we're doing the fireside chat? Yes. Yes. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday, guys, and if you're a Supremo, we're doing a fireside chat. Tonight, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, if you're like some of the guys that listen to it on Wednesday, you can see the recording, if you're a Supremo, that is. Surprise shots, surprise shots, we don't know what they are, because they're a surprise. Well, this is like pucker or something. No, it's not pucker. Ew. It wasn't awful, but I don't know what it was. Because they're a surprise. <laughs> I know it wasn't the Fruit Loops vodka, because it's, it's not vodka. It is some sort of other liquor. So there was like this peach tree stuff that's been in the liquor cabinet for a long time. Peaches? That did, did taste like peach. peach. Who bought that? I think you bought it like a while ago. Let me see what that is. It, it's in the same type of bottle as the um, triple sec. Yeah. It's been in there for a while. And I was like, no one's opened this. I'm, And I've been waiting th- to think you're maybe you were saving it for something. No, I just don't remember buying it. I, it probably was. Like, I probably went on like... A booze buying spree. Yeah, because, you know, at the beginning, I was, like, so excited about these surprise shots. Not to say I'm not excited about them now. I'm always excited about surprise shots. But, you know, it was before we needed to kill down the liquor cabinet. So I was just kind of... The fact that the liquor cabinet is so full is actually my fault. 
Nicole, yes. and Nicole will tell you that before I moved in, it was bare bones. It was. And I opened it one day to put something in there. And I was like, is this a liquor cabinet or is it a closet to Narnia? Because you can just walk right through the back of it. There's nothing in here. <laughs> yeah, I think we had a bottle of rum and that was it. Yeah. And now we have to struggle to fit, yeah. to fit things in there. It is, it's a good size liquor cabinet. It is puzzle pieces. Nicole, WWG, WWK, where are we going? Who are we killing? I'm going to go with California. It does seem like a West Coast kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Mean Girls, Pink, you yeah. know, West Coast, mm-hmm. Malibu Barbie. Um, so I'm going to say this takes place in Malibu, California. Okay. Okay. And a teenage girl. No, she's older than that. She's a young 20 something girl who's bullied and mm, maybe something happens when she's rushing a sorority and they're really mean to her and like they're hazing her and she snaps and she kills everybody. Hmm. That's a good theory. I think we're going to Massachusetts and and a girl bullies someone and the person ends up dead. Jen, this is the first time in 44 episodes that you have actually guessed the right everything. She knows the story that it is. Ding, 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 Can ding, I ding, say ding. a fun fact? Fun fact from Jen. Ba-da-ba-da-bow. Go! The crime actually took place in the next town over from me. Which is called what, Jen? Go! Fairhaven, Massachusetts. How recent is this? Um, something came up most recently. Um, like a couple, uh, like last week, some recent news about the case came up. Uh, the case, the, the crime actually committed in 2014. Okay, Jen, tell us everything you know. Okay, oh, okay. the girl's name is Michelle. Um, she was in a relationship with Conrad Murray. Oh my God, this case. And he was severely depressed and he was messaging her about committing suicide, and she actually convinced him to commit suicide. Now I know what case you're talking about. And tell me what you think. Uh, Tell me all your thoughts right now. Let's get them out. I read the messages, and I think that... You read all the messages? Jen, there's thousands of pages between Facebook and text messages. I read the messages the the night of. I didn't read... The night of. Well, then, yeah. And um, I, I have to say that I think that she's a terrible human being. I don't think that she took him seriously enough, which is really unfortunate because when someone relays to you that they're suicidal, you don't tell them to do it and continually ask them, when are you going to do it? Why aren't you going to do it? Don't be a pussy. Just do it. Go get in the car at this time and go because no one's going to see you. You call for help right away. And as a mental health professional, soon to be, I'm Glad that she has some time, but I don't think that her punishment was nearly severe enough. Even though she didn't physically commit a crime, she didn't. I think that she, she encouraged it. Yeah, Nicole, what do you think? I I one hundred percent agree. I remember reading some of the um, messages of this case and just thinking, I I just can't believe that someone would respond that way to encourage someone to do that. And when you when you look at the last messages after he commits suicide, it's Conrad. Conrad Roy the Third. Conrad, stop playing. He doesn't answer, and she says, "I love you." That's it. That's the end of it. He's dead. She, she, and she did that. Yeah, like it. It 
if he he was having doubts and thoughts about doing it, but he was more importantly, he was having doubts and he felt like he had to do it yep. because of her. Because he 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 specifically said, like, well, you know what? I'm gonna stop talking and I'm gonna let John tell the story because even though I know about the story, I don't know near as much as John does because as you guys know, John spends an endless amount of time researching these stories and picking them out. So, John, take it away. We can either do this one or two ways. We can do this like every news station, and we could just say this girl needs to just rot in jail and prison. Which she does, yeah. And we could, just like every, probably every podcast, not that I listen to podcasts, but most likely she's awful. Or I can convince you that she doesn't need to be in prison at all. In fact, she was the victim. Oh, please. I'm not buying that. Okay, well, I know I'm somewhat sympathetic to female killers. Katie Bender, episode number one. Another example, Shayna Hubers, mm-hmm. even though she's did ridiculous things. I still don't think she, she belongs in prison. I, I'm going to tell you what everyone says. This is another tabloid case. Oh, my God. She is an awful person. She was texting this guy, and then he just kills himself. What a bitch. What a bitch, right? Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Thanks for listening because (laughs) you obviously got all the facts from other podcasts that suck, from other news outlets that don't research. I'm not saying that she shouldn't get in trouble. I'm not saying that she shouldn't be in prison. I'm saying her last name's Carter. Yeah, Michelle Carter. Yeah. I'm saying that this case is deeper than just a few texts and the guy kills himself. It's deeper. It's a lot deeper. You know, I could be like everyone else and just give you the facts, but I quickly figured out, at least our Supremos, I don't know about the people that listen to us, I'd imagine so, but our Supremos are very smart and intelligent. We see that in the forums when they write these detailed posts. Like These people are really, really smart, so I want them to have all the facts. I don't want to be like, she was just texting and he killed himself, blah. We're going to Plainville, Massachusetts. Massachusetts? Mm -hmm. Massachusetts. Think about growing up in a place called Plainville. <laughs> yeah. I mean, take a wild guess of what's in Plainville. Nothing. The rent- Fucking nothing. <laughs> it's very Actually, close to the Rentham it's very, outlets. It's very, what's the word I'm looking for? Plain. 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 <laughs> it's near the Rentham outlets. Um, uh, and is, is that, oh no, that's Plain Ridge Casino. That's in Attleboro, I think. Or is it in Plainville? It's in the same county as New Bedford. Uh, Bristol County. Well, it's, it's, uh, same county as New Bedford county lines. Yeah, Bristol County. I don't know, Jen. <laughs> I'm telling you, I oh, lived okay. in New Bedford. <laughs> I thought you guys would be happy we're going to New Bedford. I am. I'm I'm so excited. This is like a hometown murder for me, except it's not because it didn't happen in New Bedford. It happened in Fairhaven, which is the next town over. But I've been to the crime scene many times. On July 12, 2014, Conrad Roy, 18 years old. Now, his name is Conrad Roy III, but we're just going to call him Conrad. Committed suicide in the Kmart parking lot in his truck. The suicide was from carbon monoxide poison. He was in the cab of a pickup truck in the Kmart parking lot. He was running a gasoline-powered water pump into his car. Obviously, you guys already know the story. The reason I picked Mean Girl as the hint is because it's what everyone's referring her to. Mean Girl. Mm-hmm. You guys got that right? Mm-hmm. That's like her official title in like all the papers, Mean Girl. Mm -hmm. Roy's girlfriend, Michelle Carter, she was 17 at the time, at the time of his suicide. 
She was charged with involuntary manslaughter because during the time right before his death, she was sending a lot of messages to him encouraging his death. If you just want to read some of those. There is no way you can fail. You're strong. I love you to the moon and deeper than the ocean and higher than the pines too, babe. Forever, always. It's painless and quick. Everyone will be sad for a while, but they will get over it and move on. Do you have a generator? Then in all caps. Well, when are you getting it? You just need to do it, Conrad. The more you push it off, the more you're ready and prepared. All you have to do is turn on the generator and you'll be free you have everything you need. There is no way you can fail. Tonight is the night. It's now or never. Yeah, it will work. You, If you emit 320 ppm of it for 5 or 10 minutes within a half an hour, you lose consciousness with no pain. You just fall and die. She's giving him very specific instructions, too. Yeah, and this is what you see all over the news, which is fine. But we're going to dig a little deeper into the text messages, and we're going to dig a little deeper into her personal life. As soon as I saw her, I was like, yeah, she's evil. And then I saw the headlines, and it was pretty much like, you're evil. But I knew that there was probably something underneath that, and then I was doing some research, and so now I have a different feeling about the case. And I'm not going to try to convince you guys, I just want to give you the facts. I know I'm overthinking. I've been overthinking for a while how, I think it's supposed to say now, but it says how. I know. You just have to do it like you said. Are you going to do it now? I haven't left yet. Haha. <laughs> Why? Leaving now. Okay, you can do this. Okay, I'm almost there. Okay. Please answer me. I'm scared. Are you okay? I love you. Please answer. The last message that he sent was okay. And then there was a 43-minute phone call during which she was talking to him while he was in his truck with the tube, the hose going from the generator into the window, and he was dying. At some point during that call, he gets scared. He gets out of the truck. They're on the phone. She says, just get back in the car. Okay? That is what happened. Now, that was the last text he's ever sent was the okay at 628. This was July 12th, 2014. He was found dead the next day, July 13th. In the Kmart parking lot. So tell us all about the Kmart parking lot. So it's a big parking lot because it's not just a Kmart. It's a a Kmart, a Dollar Tree, a Staples. And it used to be a D'Angelo's, but then it changed to a small sub shop. So at the time of the murder, it could have been D'Angelo's or it could have been the Hungry Heroes, which they made really great subs. But now they're closed. I went home over the summer and they weren't there. And I was really kind of bummed. Love D'Angelo's, by the way. There's also, yeah, I know. Love it. Too bad they don't have them down here. Mm. Anyway, um, there's also a Citizens Bank and a McDonald's in the same big parking lot. Then if you go over across to the next parking lot, there's a Shaw's, a Chinese buffet, an Olympia Sports, um, a Bank of America. And then behind there is a carousel skating rink and a mini golf course. Also, there's a bike trail if you go down behind the Kmart parking lot, behind the Kmart and the staples in that area, there's actually um, the Fairhaven bike trail. And then if you go past the Kmart parking lot the other way, you reach a big building. I think it's another bank. And then there's Sweet Ginger, which is a Chinese restaurant. There's a Burger King across the street. And then there's a Walmart and an Ocean State job lot and a Taco Bell and a Jiffy Lube and a Dunkin' Donuts and a 7-Eleven. <laughs> Jiffy Lube. 
Holy shit, you know the whole area. I've lived there my entire <laughs> life. What do you expect? I could, I'm literally seeing it now. Also, there's a car lot. It's strange that he picked the Kmart parking lot because even though it's a big open space, it's right off of Route 6, which is a very busy road. You can take Route 6 all the way from the Cape. You keep going through Massachusetts, you can take it through Rhode Island as well. All the way up, up. so Cape to there to Fairhaven. The next town is New Bedford, then Dartmouth. And then Westport, and then you keep taking that, goes through Tiverton, all the way. It's a really busy road. It's a highway. Not like a highway, like 95 highway, but, you know, a busy, busy road. So high visibility. We're going to be approaching this case. I'm not going to try to convince you anything. You guys both think she should belong in prison for the rest of her life. I'm just going to give you the facts and then see how, if you guys change your mind, knowing that you have more facts about the case. I'm showing you on the screen right now, Dr. Peter Bregan, MD, pretty smart guy. Uh, just run down his list of uh, accomplishments, which makes me look like I've done nothing in my life. He graduated Harvard in 1958. <laughs> you know, that was like before Mad Men. He's mm-hmm. old. Well, yeah, he's old. He graduated in 1958. How old? He's like 70. No, older than 70, almost 80. 80. Yeah. Medical school grad in 1962. His subspecialty is clinical pharmacology. He has been practicing, which means seeing patients since 1968 up until this day. So, wow. He is an expert in psychophysiology of anxiety. I'm thinking that's how the brain changes under anxiety. I'm not really sure. Yeah. He's published, and he can't really remember the exact number, 22 to 24 books um, he has taught at the Washington School Psychiatrist School and at Maryland. He has been in psychiatry since he was 18. He's seen thousands of patients. After becoming a full-time psychologist in 1968, quote, I wouldn't know how to count them all, all of his patients. And he is also the only doctor in this case who stuck his neck out and represented this girl, hmm. the 17-year-old Michelle Carter no one else would touch it. As a lawyer? No, as a an expert in psychology. Like an expert witness? Yeah, expert witness. I mean, he is the most qualified person probably ever on the stand. He stuck his neck out. I mean, he did take a fee, but honestly, he said, because I watched, he's a very slow talker. It's very hard to watch hours oh, he's old. and hours and hours of this guy fumbling through papers because he can't really see him. But he actually said he... At the end of the day, he wasn't going to make any money on this. He just had to get up on the stand and make sure that this case went the right way, not the wrong way. So that's a little bit about him. Very smart guy. Now, where am I going with this? He's going to say that, and, and I don't I don't know this part, so this is actually a guess. He's probably going to say that she should not be held responsible for his death because he was experiencing anxiety and was not in the right mindset or maybe she was experiencing anxiety and was not in the right mindset and could not formulate a clear you know point of view in 2011 michelle carter the killer if you will started prozac february 17 2011 she started on 10 milligrams of prozac she did that for eight months it was abruptly raised her dosage to 20 milligrams on February 23rd, 2011, six days later. 
the dose was actually doubled. That was, right. That's a lot. April 5th, 2011, she started taking 30 milligrams, which is a high dose for an adult. The standard is 20 milligrams. She was weaned off completely October 2011. Now, she got a new doctor May 9th, 2012. He restarted her medication, and that continued for 18 months. During this period of the 18 months on the medication was when the Facebook and texting are not just her to Conrad, but to her, all of her friends quote, Dr. Bregan, very abnormal reactions, similar to what we expect from Prozac. December, 2013, she stopped Prozac abruptly. Now, I mean, she's a minor. She's 14 through 17 at these points. April 2014, she started Celexa because she wanted to eat more. She was anorexic. Can she I, was down to 80 pounds. Can I ask, what why, What was up with all the changes in the dosage? Was, was this directed by her doctor to keep changing the dosage? Yeah. Why? When you look at this case, you see an evil girl. You don't hear anything about the doctor that got her on and off meds. You don't hear anything about that. You see her. She's an evil person. She's the devil. That's all you see. Try to find the doctor's name that well, did this. You won't be able to. Uh, it, it It is strange, especially because it takes a long time, you know, a while for you to adapt to a particular medication. I mean, six days later to double a dose and then to stop it. And then, I mean, you have to wean your, like, take time if you're going to wean off of a drug. So, agreed, it doesn't make sense. Do these doctors get paid from the pharmaceutical companies in forms of kickbacks? I can answer that for you. Yes, they do. I'm just saying, I'm just going to throw that out there. April 2014, she started Celexa because she wanted to eat more. The first significant change was October 10th, 2012. Conrad was hospitalized for a suicide attempt. Now, we're going to go through four suicide attempts. His parents divorced, quote, Dr. Bregan. He was now a very distressed young man. A few months later, she began to cut herself. You don't see that in the news. Okay, let's let's talk about pros. Let's talk about SSRIs. Do y'all guys know what SSRIs mm-hmm. is? Do you guys know where I'm going with this? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know I'm going to try to stick my neck out for this girl. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's fine. I'm just let you guys know that because I, I think there's a bigger issue here. No one's talking about it. I guarantee you, every other podcast that did this case didn't even touch on this. But I can't sit here and just let it happen. You know, there's a bigger issue. There's bigger issues in this. So this case affects me pretty bad because this case is not just about some girl that was convincing her boyfriend to kill her, kill himself. It's also about like deep depression from both parties, complete not knowing from any of the parents, complete disregard from the psychiatrist that just threw her all these pills. I know this field. I, I as a veteran, I've I've been a guinea pig to all these pills. I'd have to disagree to the not knowing from parents to an extent. They they had to have known that she was going through something because for her to have seen that kind of doctor as a minor, she, her parents would have had to yeah brought her to that help. Yeah. Now they may not have known the severity of her depression. She may not have opened up to them personally about it or in as much detail as as you're saying, but as a 14 year old, you don't just, you you don't just come upon um, a psychiatrist 
and have, you know, have get a prescription for Prozac without, you know, your parents being in the room. Her primary care could have prescribed it, but it couldn't have been a social worker or a psychologist. My point is she couldn't have just gone gone there by herself as a minor. I mean, yeah, her parents knew. I mean, she was anorexic, too. I'm going to try to explain how SSRIs work. I thought they just added serotonin to your brain. But according to this doctor, and I don't know if I'm getting this wrong, but they actually block the reabsorption Mm -hmm. of serotonin from your brain. Right. That's called the reuptake. I'm going to read this. Some of the most commonly prescribed antidepressants are called reuptake inhibitors. What's reuptake? It's the process in which the neurotransmitters are naturally resorbed, reabsorbed back into the nerve cells in the brain after they are released to send messages between nerve cells. A reuptake inhibitor prevents this from happening. Instead of getting reabsorbed, the neurotransmitter stays at least temporarily in the gap between the nerves called the synapse. The basic theory goes like this. Keeping levels of the neurotransmitters higher could improve communication between nerve cells and they can strengthen circuits in the brain which regulate mood. Watching this guy's testimony, hours and hours of this doctor who is very smart and he's done a lot of cases on this. He says there's three important things that you need to know about SSRIs. Number one, since you're not actually adding serotonin, the brain will sense an abnormality in the system. Now, this happens after the first dosage. So your brain knows something's going wrong. It doesn't know you're taking a pill to make you feel better, but it's going to try to work against that. Anytime your body senses an abnormality, it tries to send systems to work against it. Mm-hmm. So you're working like against you yourself. virus or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Number two, the SSRIs actually make the reuptake stronger, which means the reuptake, remember, is the amount of absorption of serotonin back into your body that, that you can't use to improve your mood. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I hope it does. Yeah. Which means if you stop taking these SSRIs, you will have less serotonin than when you began because it's completely screwing up that system. Mm. Okay, this is what this guy was like harping on, and he was trying to explain this stuff. Number three, the receptors will stop working. This happens if the patient takes them for several months. And the timeline here becomes important because that's why I gave you the timeline of her on them, her off of them, her on them, her off of them. This also creates a dependency towards the SSRIs, which it's means like you have to if you have them. a dependency, if you stop taking these SSRIs, which I'm fucked now because I've been taking them forever. If I stop taking them, my brain's not going to be able to use the serotonin or even produce it or however that works. I'm going to be worse off if I stop now. I'm dependent. Mm-hmm. that's scary as shit to actually figure that out for the first time. My doctor never told me that this is proven within animal studies and you can see it in humans and you'll see it here. Now I'm not saying she should, shouldn't have done this, but coming at a medical perspective is way better than coming at the tabloids, just freaking throwing her face everywhere saying she's the devil. I mean, that's part of why this case is really disturbing to me. Yeah. Honestly is because 
like, I get that she's on medication, but what gives you the right to encourage someone else? Well, I think what John is saying that the doctor's point of view is that she, her responses due to her medication, maybe being on, off, on, off. I get that. Were, were abnormal because of the inconsistency with her medication. This doctor who's been doing this for over 50 years, he was reading all the detect. I mean, he read thousands of correspondence pages between her and all of her friends and Conrad. And he can point out the exact day when the Prozac started talking over Michelle, if that makes sense. The third point that he made, the receptors will stop working. And this happens if the patient takes them for several months. That's why the timeline is important because she actually was taking these from 2011. So by that time, but the had, damage was already done. When did she, can you, when did she stop it again? How in two, I know she started. Yeah, she started Prozac February 17th, 2011, 10 milligrams. She yeah. did for but, eight. So she was on and off and off. Yeah. But then, on and off, on and off, on and off. Was she on the medication at the time of Conrad? Yeah, going? she was. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I, I, I would understand more. If she was, well, she on, was on uh, Celexa. Now, if she was completely off medication when she was sending these encouraging messages, I could understand that a little bit more. Um, I mean, I get the start, stop, and start and stop, but I can see, and I see, can, you know, based on experience, there is a difference when you're off medic the medication, even I mean, after a day. But what he's trying to say is if you take it for months, you've already damaged. And I get that. I, I didn't even put this on the list, but he goes into great detail of how this is amplified. If you're a minor, if you're under the adult age, because your brain isn't even developed yet until the age of 25. So until you're 25, 24, 25, your brain is still developing i mean you have a doctor of over 60 years saying that the victim is actually both of them and the killer is the pharmaceutical industry i'm sorry i'll say that i don't care if a hitman comes but the the fact is these drugs are fucking people up i mean i'm just saying no you're right but you don't hear about the pharmaceutical company in this whole suit i want to say this case comes down to two camps just like jamine number one she's guilty because she's a mean girl. I mean, she looks mean. She looks evil. And her eyebrows. Have you seen her? Mm-hmm. She, she has bushy like, eyebrows. Yeah, her eyebrows like do not do it for her. But she That's looks the mean. Look now. I, I don't know. I My eyebrows are not bushy. And my but, eyebrows are the only thing that I have going for thick, me. Thick eyebrows are in. I hope thin eyebrows never come back in style. Not like pencil thin eyebrows. I'm going to keep my eyebrows the same. They're the only things that like I consistently keep up with. You're either in one of two camps. She's guilty because she sent those texts. She's mean. She's evil. Or she's innocent, but a victim of the medications. This is the only two camps you're going to be in. 99% of Americans, at least, are in the first camp. The case also comes down to causality. All the texts you read up until he said, I'm almost there. Okay. At the end of the day, that's freedom of speech. 
Causality comes when he gets out of the truck and she coaches him back into the truck. That is causality. Mm. That is key. It's very important in this case. Does that make sense? Now, this is from Joseph Calado, her attorney. Now, he's arguing this point. That, like I said, causality is like the main point of this case. Joseph Cataldo, one of Carter's attorneys, has argued from the beginning that Conrad, Conrad Roy, quote, took his own life. He took all the actions necessary to cause his own death. The key issue is going to be causation of who actually caused the death speculated Lori Levinson, a criminal law professor at Loyola Law School. While a causation question immediately became an, a key issue of scholarly debate among law professors and practitioners, the issue did not make its expected appearance in either court's opinion. The American Civil Liberties Union argued that, to take the view that the murder weapon here was Michelle Carter's words, that is quite a quite aggressive view of causation. A lot of attorneys have compared this to Dr. Jack Vorkian, his, I don't know much about his cases, but for the causality, he just encouraged people to go through with it. But he didn't say, get back in there and take your own life. You see what I'm saying? The, the whole case in this one comes down to that one sentence where she said, get back into the truck. Because everything else is free speech. Causality, when he was safe, to bring him back into that danger zone. Mm. I'd like to make a comment on the text messages that were shown on the screen real quick. Can you bring those back up? I would like to comment on the guess who's here. Wait, where? Jesus. Ha ha ha. It's meant to be. Literally, there's a guy walking around in a Jesus costume. Ha ha ha. It's a sign. It's your calling. So, fun fact. There actually was the Jesus of Fairhaven. There was a guy. And uh, can you Google him? He would walk around dressed up like Jesus, carrying a cross. And um, people would see him all over the street. Fair Haven Jesus. See? He would walk around like that. And he, it, was, he, it was a big thing. He, he, was like, he was around for like a few months. He'd walk around like that. What happened to him? Uh, he went somewhere else. He went to another place. But people would stop and take pictures of him. Oh, yeah. It was a whole big thing in the papers. That's like in Colombia. This guy's always at the courthouse. He's... Uh, pro-life guy and he walks around with an actual fetus um, pinned to his shirt. It's pretty gross. Like an actual fetus? Yes. <laughs> How? I don't know. <laughs> it was in the news. He's always there. Anyway. That's like there's always this guy in Newport that sits at the same spot and has like a sign for like I'm hungry, give me food. And so like one time my sister and I were in Newport and I was. I said to her, you know what? Let's get this guy some pizza. So we went and we got some pizza and we gave it to him and he made like this weird seagull noise after we gave it to him and then I've never seen him since. Mm. Weird, right? Mm. But yeah, Fairhaven Jesus. To my surprise, almost everyone recalled something about the story. News coverage has been extensive in the print media from the New York Times and Washington Post and on TV from ABC and NBC to CNN and Fox. Oddly, no one seemed to know anything beyond the idea that the girl had told her boyfriend to kill himself and that he had done so. They were sure that she was a very mean girl. People were interested when I mentioned both the girl and her boyfriend had been taking almost identical antidepressant drugs for years. There was dismay when I started giving details about their relationship. It did not fit anything that people's imaginations had been filling in. They felt cheated by the media. 
Dr. Bregan was the only one that really stuck his neck, besides her attorneys, stuck his neck out for her. He went and he interviewed extensively everyone that would talk to him about Michelle Carter. Now, after this happened, she wasn't just thrown in jail. She actually finished high school. Who is this girl, Michelle Carter? Because everyone thinks she's the devil. Well, actually, everyone said the exact opposite about her. She was the one that would help people in any situation. Everyone said that. And there's countless examples that he gives. One mother who lived next door and whose daughter frequently brought Michelle around said she saw no great difference in Michelle as she grew up from infancy to present time. Whatever was going on inside Michelle was out of sight of the adults. Michelle's relatives and parents also saw no great change in her. She was as bright and cheery as ever and always eager to please and help. Michelle continued in their eyes to be a 10 out of a 10 for kindness, caring, and helpfulness. In her school community, no one could believe the horrible news about Michelle. The state of Massachusetts prosecuted her in the media through selective partial releases of her texts. The carefully orchestrated releases from the prosecuting attorney's office made it seem that there could be no doubt about what happened, that she must have told him these words and that they must have been memorialized in her text to him. Yeah, she was known as the mean girl through the media, but she was also awarded in her class Quote, the most likely to brighten up your day. She also got another award for class clown. Conrad was dating her. They met online. So they were actually boyfriend and girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. Plainville is, is quite a distance from Fairhaven. It's probably like 45 minutes for something to be. They met online? Yeah. Hmm. So he actually tried to kill himself four times. It's almost selfish of him to put her through all this because she was the one that was getting disclosed all this information. I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to do all this. He's venting all of his on her, on a 17-year-old, without a full developed brain and is heavily on Prozac. To paint a picture that she was actually a really good person, here, just read read this. I love you so much. You're the love of my life. You're mine forever and ever, babe. You were so special to me, and I'm so thankful and happy I got to be your girlfriend and have the kind of relationship we have. You were my first love, and you will be forever in my heart. There's plenty of texts like that. Now, he did not treat her well. If you go look through all these texts, she'll text him, text him, text him, text him, and then he'll just blow her off constantly. Conrad, I'm trying to understand. I think about you all the time. You're my first thought in the morning and the last thought before I fall asleep. I'm scared that when I talk to you, it will be the last time and I'll never get to say goodbye. I'm trying so hard to understand and to help you. Please know that I'm giving all my effort and strength to you. He has been talking, and if you read the text messages, it's a lot about, I'm going to kill myself, I'm going to do this, do kill myself. He's venting to her. Not only that, but she's actually sending him links for articles online to get help, which they don't show you in the media. I'll always love you too, and I'm sorry I always tried to act confident and stuff, but deep down, I'm really not, so that's why you might have thought that. Don't ever be sorry about that. I love you for you. I want you to always be yourself around me, even if you don't like yourself. Still do, no matter what. I'm sorry for being an asshole to you all those times. That's Conrad. Yeah. Okay, it's okay. I forgive you. I'm still here, aren't I? 
Even after all the times you treated me like shit, haha, I never left you. And especially through all the hard times, I've always stood by you and supported you. I tried to never let you go through this alone because I know how hard it is. If I gave up on you when you needed me the most, I would never forgive myself. This is like one of the articles out of many that she has sent. She sends this to Conrad. Read this article. This is on this is June 1st, 2014, a month before he actually commits suicide. Helpguide.org, anxiety, social anxiety. Now, this is one of many articles. I'll put this on Talk Murder for Supremos. There's 184 pages of text messages. You'll see who Michelle really is. She's very caring and very helpful. She was actually very worried that he would kill himself. This is what she says to Conroy, June 1st, 2014. Have you thought about getting professional help? Like, I think I'm going to go away to a place for my eating disorder to help me overcome it and stuff. The place always deals with psychiatric problems and disorders, too, so they can help you over some of this. I think it will really help you, and we can go together so we will always be there for each other. Is this the girl that you guys saw in the media? Definitely different. Different, isn't it? Is that not piss you guys off that this is like what the media, they don't show any of this stuff? Mm -hmm. Well, I guess the difference is this is months before it happened versus in the time where he's about to kill himself. She encourages him instead of sending him help articles. All right, let's go back to the, the time of death. Because this, she's sending this when? So he killed himself on the 12th of July. And that was like July 3rd? That was that June, was June 1st. 1st. That was a month before. You got to keep in mind, too, she is going through extreme problems, depression, anorexia. She's now cutting herself. She's not in her right mind either. Plus, she's on these pills that if you listen to this doctor, he talks passionately about how these pills are fucking up our youth completely fucking them up. But you don't see the big pharma companies in this case, do you? No. Why not? Well, I don't know, because it's easier to blame a 17-year-old than a billion-dollar I, I mean, I don't company. think that it's... I think she's got some blame in it, but we haven't finished the case. Yeah, I mean, I would have to agree because it's not like she was on an acid trip and texted him this you know what i mean she was on a controlled substance that the doctor prescribed her i'm not saying that it didn't have any effect on her brain at all i'm just saying you can't put i don't think you can put 100 blame on the medication i'm saying that if you look at the doctor with over 60 years experience telling you that he can pinpoint exactly in thousands of pages of text messaging data where the prozac takes over that's pretty compelling. I can't explain it. I can't How do it many in days in advance do, does it start to change? It, so that she goes, within months of taking it. it no, 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 I'm saying so June, he, he June actually, 1st, okay, yeah, she's he, sending him articles. Here's how you can get help for your social anxiety. Try all these things. Let's go away together. And then a month yeah. later, she's encouraging him to kill himself. But then again, she was also battling these demons. Oh, when argument, does it change? My argument, my argument may be that she, like I said before, may not have been taking. She may have stopped taking the medication because if it's going to destroy your serotonin, I mean, why would she not take it? Because I, she didn't think it was helping her. And instead of going to the doctor for help, it's then for she, exactly the same reason why you say I don't want to take my pills I, today. I, let's we can't bring that into it. Let's just assume that she was taking the medication. Like I. But we there's know. no way to, to prove that. Well, well, Most there's people no way to take prove, the medication. There's that no way to prove that Patsy Ramsey wrote the 
the note in Jabonet's case. I'm saying the doctor can see the medication take effect. Let, let him say. Okay. This is Dr. Bregan. On March 24th, 2014, at 9.43. Say it took forever. To a friend, a girlfriend. <laughs> I didn't like speed it up. It's like shit, dude. She, uh, for the first time that I can find in the texting, says, Okay, well, when I was suicidal, I tried committing suicide. I tried to hang myself. This is Michelle talking. I got a chair and the rope and everything and researched how to tie the stupid knot. And parentheses, shit, I'm crying. I'm like crying right now. This is why I didn't want to tell you in school. Would have bawled my eyes out. And parentheses. I got up on a chair and stood there for like 25 minutes just crying and I put the rope around my neck and I was going to do it but I chickened out and got off the chair and like threw shit around my room everywhere. That's her going through her own suicide attempts. She's trying to find an outlet as well. I'm looking at um, this begins for information you're on 10-7-2-13 This is when 10 7 2013 sort of picking up after the Facebook on October 8th, he is continuing with the theme. He says, I feel hopeless. She says, do you still feel the same way you have been feeling? Like, has anything changed? Yeah, it's bad. I've tried to feel fine. I'm not, though. Did you get a new psychiatrist? He cancels my appointments all the time. Yeah, you need to get a new one fast. Three exclamation points. He doesn't want to see me. Get a new one. I'm serious. I'll try. You need to. Conrad then says, he hates me. She says, who? The psychiatrist. Ha ha. That's not a good sign from the psychiatrist. You can't. If you're canceling appointments consistently, then on the same patient and you're not trying to help them. My, my my dad actually had an experience like that with the VA. He was assigned a new counselor and she just wouldn't show up and she'd cancel on him and he didn't feel like she, that she was listening to him. And honestly, it's kind of unethical as a professional counselor or a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. You need to refrain from judgment. And this is actually one of the things they talked about at the conference the other day. If you don't like your patient for some reason, like you still have an ethical responsibility to try to help them. Or if you cannot help them, you need to refer them to someone else. Mm -hmm. So the fact that he would not see him, and obviously this is a text message from an 18 year old kid. We don't know how accurate it is, but if we're taking those words at face value, then that that, that psychiatrist should really be reviewed by the licensing board because that's, that's not okay. You need to, you need to try to do justice for all of your clients because you need to remain impartial. It's, it's not fair. I mean, none of these psychiatrists were at this. It was the, the whole case was she's evil. Let's throw her in the pen. Well, I'd say then that that needs to be looked at too. Why were why weren't any of his men, mental health professionals at the? Did at the you trial? guys even know that she was on Prozac? No, I okay, did not. Okay, that is the problem with this case. Everyone knows her, but they don't know even the fact that she was on heavy medication. They they only see 
one side because they see very, like he said, selective text that the DA is putting out. The people that are entrusted to provide justice, are their attorneys are putting out this selective almost propaganda, if you want to call it that, to make you think one way. And it worked. She's a mean girl. That's why I had the hint there. Everyone thinks she's a mean girl. She's evil. But that's not the full story. That's why we got to dig in these texts. I would have to say that it's kind of the same thing as all the fake news that's out there. You see fake news, fake news, fake news. And even though parts of it may be real, it's usually bits and pieces to make you think one thing. If you're going to be reporting, you need to report all the facts. Here's the stance that I'm taking with this. If you read like I did, and that's awful to read a teenage text messaging. It's like, yeah, it's kind of entertaining to listen to this this uh, psychiatrist read. Yeah, they're all like super old. <laughs> JK, I, I think that means just I don't know. <laughs> There's like, a smiley face here. Yeah, he's like saying, like, he's like swearing. I mean, obviously he's reading the transcripts of the text message, but it's 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 funny to, to yeah. it's it is, but it's not. And this judge too, like he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> the stance that I'm taking, she did coach him, yes. But if you and we're not going to sit there and read all the messages, and I, I hope I painted a good enough picture for you guys, even though she looks mean. She's actually very different. She's shy, is very helpful. She loves everyone. She shows nothing but kindness. That's not how you guys see her. I know I can't change your mind because of what's been out. But my stance, and I'm agreeing with this doctor, she did push him in that direction a little bit, but it was more out of her love so, so what you're saying is he, yeah, he, he tried to kill himself four times. She eventually said, if that's what makes you happy, if that's, what's going to make you happy, you don't see all these texts. She'll do anything for him. She loved him. She, I can show you thousands of her text messages. None of them negative. It's just like, Oh my God, I'm thinking about you. I love you. I, I'm sending him all these articles, helping him get through this, taking all that, that negative energy because he gets into some crazy stuff. He talks about the devil meeting the devil. She's taking all that in. All that stuff as a 17-year-old Does she? who's anorexic, cuts herself, ends on Prozac, taking in all this negative energy that she does not need. Does she ever report any of this to anyone? That's the theme that will come up from the prosecutor. That's the that's pretty much the only stand they have. She should have called the cops. She's fucked up to begin with. She literally told her friend that she stood there with a noose around her neck, trying thinking about should I jump and just and then she tore her room up because she couldn't have the balls to kill herself. You a person that's in that state. I mean, Jen, you know, if you're in that state of mind, how are you, would you take responsibility? Plus, she's a minor. To go and call the cops and stuff when she's trying to kill herself, too. I don't think that she needed to call the police. I think she should have started with his parents or her parents or someone at his school. Well, a lot of the reason he's not reason, but a lot of the the catalyst are his parents. But at the same time, when you look into the text messages, albeit the ones that they put out on the news, what he says is my family will miss me. I'm sure they will. Here's also um, a video 
what he was really dealing with that you also don't see. And I do want to point out, I don't know their family situation, but I know the mom wasn't at this trial. I don't know why. It's kind of weird. I'm just saying. His mom wasn't at the trial? Yeah. It's weird. She wrote a big thing and had someone else read it. You destroyed her life. I'm sorry I can't come to this trial. I'm just too, I don't know. I ain't got time. I'm just saying. On 12-19-2013, Michelle says, how are you? And how are things? He says, good and bad. She says, why good and why bad? From Conrad, my dad's pissing me off lately. What is he saying? Conrad, yelling, screaming, punching. I can't take it. I'm living with my mom now. Michelle, he's punching you? From Conrad, yeah. Again, she probably should have reported that to someone. Because he could have, she could have gotten out of that situation. I'm, she's I'm, a, not, I'm, not, I, I'm just saying. She's a kid. She's a kid, but I kind of feel like they like the drama. I'm sorry. Like, but they're it, they're kind of yeah. absorbed in this toxic mess of, I hate to say it, but I'm depressed. You're depressed. I'm going to kill myself. No, you're going to kill yourself. My dad's beating me. And it's like this toxic thing that they don't want to get out of. Yeah, exactly. But they're... And it's, because they're drama-filled teenagers. I know that, yes. And it's also fueled by this these drugs. It is fueled by the drugs. I agree. But that doesn't change the fact of what she said. For the next two years, Conrad repeatedly threatened to kill himself while texting Michelle. For 10 days in July 2014, these threats combined with her antidepressants broke her down mentally and she agreed to support his goal of dying quickly and easily and going to heaven. So did you hear that? She finally was sick of it. He's tried to kill himself four times. She in since they've been dating. Yes, he has put her through four. Or excuse me, three. The fourth was actual the the one that happened. Three additional suicide attempts. Think about you being a child with all the other stuff. Like I'm going to disclose that to you, Jen. I'm I'm gonna kill myself, but don't tell anyone. Like you have to live with that burden. You have to try to coach me out of it. Exactly. Eventually, she was just like, I love you so much. If that's what you want, I'm going to support it. It's sick and twisted. Um, I can understand the the need um, of, you know, of wanting to keep a secret. I had a student who actually disclosed that she had suicidal ideation and she didn't want to tell her mom. I said, you got to tell your mom. Mm-hmm. So we called the mom, and she told the mom when we were in the office. But like, to keep that a secret, you don't want to betray the person, and I can totally understand that because it's a lot to take in. If someone says that they're considering suicide, you almost go into a panic. When I was in my practicum, there was a student who who this is a different case who said that she didn't like herself and she thought about committing suicide. And the immediate thought that went into my head, it was like my second day of practicum. I didn't know what I was doing. And the immediate thought into my head was fire, fire. Like, what do I do? Like I have to, you know, you have to spring into action. I can understand not, uh, not wanting to tell anyone because the love of your life at 17 years old says, please don't tell anyone, but I'm considering this, but you're doing your, well, they're talking about it all day every day too right but 
Uh, yeah, this is an everyday thing. But you're doing, and I can I can also see the side of it that's like, okay, you talk about this every day. You're not actually serious about it, but you're doing yourself and your loved one a disservice by not reporting it, even though you may not see it that way. I can understand the other side, but you got to say something. It's like those commercials with the bomb on the bus or in the airport. But from if a legality s- point. Is she liable because she didn't say anything? It's not. She's not liable if she didn't say anything, but she's liable because she encouraged him to do it. That's where that causation comes into play. It she's does. she's liable. It would be a different story if she if he told but, told her and all, and she you know tried to help or didn't say anything. But was she in her right mind at the time? I mean, she's com- tried to commit suicide. It's, she's cutting herself. She's now bulimic at this point. And when they finally arrested her, she was actually in a psych center getting help. They arrested her in the psych center. She was going to trying to get help again. Do what do I need to consider her not in her right mind when she made those statements? Yeah. So, and, and taking in the doctor's consideration that he extensively interviewed people that knew her from birth up until this. And they that is not the person that they know. It, I mean, it's kind of like when, you know, when someone pleads insanity to a murder, like they're temporarily not in their right mind when they commit a certain crime. It's basically we're, we're, we're putting her into that scenario. And I I can see with the medication and like you showed us. Sure. There's a lot of text messages where she's empathetic. And at one point she changes her mind or whatever. Her medication imbalances her and she decides she's going to support this. I don't know whether or not she's in her right mind, but she she still did it. And I don't think she, she or she still she still, you know, co- helped cause his death. And just from the what I've read so far, like I said, I don't I don't think she actually thought that he was going to do it. Because I mean, yeah, he tried to do it four times. And yeah. I and you can kind of see that, you know, what but when she's encouraging him, she, she thinks that by encouraging him that he you know, she's doing the right thing, but at the same time, um she probably doesn't take it seriously. I don't know. Don't I, I think up. she takes it seriously when she knows that he's in the car. He's he's at the location. She's instructing him. Okay, you, here's what you got to yeah. do with the gas pump. You got to make sure that this works this time. Yeah. That is 100% instructional. Yeah. But he wants to do that. I don't fucking care. And this case, <laughs> if you used to say this case is going to piss you off, this case actually, I, I'm like, I, I, uh, this ca- case is not a case that I've been particularly enjoyed because I take this very seriously and speaking as the person who's in the relationship of a person who's depressed it's insulting to me that this is how a person reacted yeah and that's why I do not like this case I think she deserves what she got and I think she gets should get a lot more coming to her because that's disgusting to react that way I don't care if she's on medication or not (laughs) <laughs> okay i guess i should have picked a different case i'm just saying i mean it's polarizing i'm just saying like that's why i don't really have much sympathy for the girl i get that she's on medication but it doesn't like if someone's temporarily insane when they kill somebody they still did it i get that they were temporarily insane and maybe that will reduce their case and maybe they need to go in an institution of sorts but they still did it so she still did it she may have just not been in her right mind well he did it she, she was it's specific. It's not like she p- 
pulled the trigger. She was very specific with her instructions that he needed to get back into the car with she but like there was something still, that you read. He still had free will to say, you know what? I'm no, I'm good. But how would you react if if I said, you know what? I, I'm speaking as a female to to my male counterpart you, in my relationship. You're a pussy if you don't do this. Like you, you to know kill what I mean? myself, I would be like, fuck well, off. Ex- I don't know this guy. Like well, they're mean, they're young and vulnerable yeah, teenagers actually killed himself she did not or she did not kill him on the phone like she she didn't shoot him in the face like oh Shayna hubers did like she i get it i get that she wasn't physically there she didn't do anything to stop him this day that he actually did it but there's not there's, and she didn't also do nothing she if, encouraged him if someone came up to me and was like i'm gonna kill myself i'd be like all right you would know? you like really? it doesn't because if someone wants to go out, let them go out. I, I'm coming from a position that I've had plenty of friends that do this. They think it's a better choice to do that. It's not my responsibility to try to save them. I know that sounds fucked up. Maybe it's just because I've seen a lot of fucking death and shit. I don't know. I have sympathy for this girl. I'm sorry. I think the bigger issue is these pills. I think the bigger issue is cyberbullying. I think the bigger issue is cell phones. There's no emotion in cell phones. I don't think he would have got back into the car. I don't think she would have said if she was standing outside that truck, get back in the truck. I don't think that would have happened. I think it was, it's almost like you're not there when you're texting someone. I could see that. At the same time, what's the difference? But I'm going to call you out on this one. What's the difference if she's not in her right mind, if, if it's the pills and if she's not in her right mind, what's the difference if she was there and if she wasn't there? I, I don't think it's her fault, but because saying, he he is the ultimate one that killed himself. It, he killed himself, yes. But are you just said you don't think if she was there, she would have said do it, get back in the car. So what's the difference if she was or wasn't there? Let me try to convince you to go jump off a bridge. Like I just convince you, convince you, convince you. You're not committing suicide. You're just jumping off a bridge. I know you're going to die because it's really far up and you probably even know that, but not really. You know what I'm saying? If I just convince you, convince you and convince you and then you die, is it my fault? I just convince you to have fun and float off the bridge. It's really fun to jump that from that high. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying? But she's but it's different because she's not just convincing him to jump off a bridge. She's convincing him to open up a generator in in closed environment and and inhale carbon monoxide he was number one he is over 18 he's older than her like he should have been more responsible yes i mean she was a minor at the time and you make your own decisions in life i know a lot of people commit suicide but to talk someone into it i mean at the end of the day in my opinion it's it's your choice it's you he could have said you know what I don't want to die today. And it's not like she pushed him in that truck and locked You're the right. door. Mm-hmm. You're right. You I, 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 You're not I, wrong. I hear you there. This is a sad case for not just him and his family, but also her. Mm-hmm. It's a sad case all around. And the media is doing so well of painting a 17-year-old like the fucking devil instead of trying to uproot some of the problems that are very clear once you look at the text messages that they're bigger problems than this, I I'd, I'd I don't know. I would be lying if I said that your argument has 
not opened up my eyes any because I didn't know all of the facts behind this case. I just, I just still think that that at the end of the day, instead of encouraging him, she should have reported reported it. I also want to say that she did take full responsibility for these actions, which I think is good. She actually wrote a huge letter taking full responsibility, if that makes any difference. Here's the Commonwealth, and then we'll hear the defense. They say things like, she made a mistake. She showed poor judgment. She didn't comprehend the severity of her situation. She was helping Conrad to achieve his goal. They don't seem to understand. It was her plan. She was the one on the other end, goading him, telling him to get back into that car. She was the one that for weeks berated him. She never told any of them that, and even after his death, and even to this day. She says she didn't know how to call an adult for help. Your Honor, another consideration Your Honor would look to is the defendant's age. Now, this is a youthful offender, but she was three weeks away from her 18th birthday. We're not talking about some immature 14-year-old girl. We're talking about a 17- and three-week-old young woman who was involved in DECA, who was a very responsible student, who knew how to call the police because she said it to Sam Boardman. All I had to do was call the police, or even simpler than that, all I had to do was tell him that I loved him and he would have gotten out of the car. But the Commonwealth suggests it's even simpler than that. And as Your Honor suggested and stated in your finding, all she had to do was say, get out of the car. Thank you. That is the defense. Miss Carter was 17 years old at the time. We have a body of law from both the United States Supreme Court as well as the SJC about the adolescent brain development, which a court can consider on sentencing. And there is the clear body that says adolescents are not as culpable as full-grown adults. Miss Carter does not, I suggest to this court, pose a danger to the public. I suggest that this sad, tragic uh, manslaughter that she has now been convicted of was a very unusual set of circumstances unique to these two individuals, Conrad Roy and Michelle Carter, who are both struggling with mental health issues themselves. Miss Carter, as this court has seen, both from the probation department's report as well as through the course of the trial, had her own issues. She had her own troubles dating back to the year, going back three or four years to 2011, where she was impatient and treated for uh, various eating disorders. And she was put on antidepressants back at that time, which she remained on these antidepressants until the year 2015. Now, the defense is arguing for rehabilitation. Let's not incarcerate her. Like, if if rehabilitation works at all, it'd work for her. You know, I'm a sucker for, like... Maybe it's a male thing. Love the controversy. You know, maybe it's a male thing. Like maybe males. I, I want. I wish I could do a survey. See how many men, guys. If you're listening out there, if you're a, a guy and a girl, I want to know your point because I want to see how many men out there will go light, if you will, on her compared to the females. Because you're maybe. just like throwing <laughs> a uh, hole. I mean, uh, that's true. Yeah. Women are can be very harsh against other females. Mm-hmm. I, I still think that, you know, okay, she was struggling with her own mental health issues. That's, that's abundantly clear. 
I still think that she was ethically responsible for reporting this to someone. And they said, the Commonwealth said that she said to someone else, if only I called the police, if only I told him I love him. She knew that after it happened, she immediately regretted it. So my point is you don't wake up dead. You know, you don't commit suicide and wake up and be like, oh, well, that was a bad idea. You don't get that opportunity. Not in this life. And I just, if only she would have said something to someone, whether it be. She said it perfectly. All she had to say was get out of the car. Yeah. That's all she had to say. Yeah. Yeah. And and honestly, coming from the perspective of a man, mandated reporter, like if someone says something to us, for example, not necessarily suicide, talking about abuse here. If someone comes to me and says, I'm being abused, or if someone comes to me and says, my friend is being abused. I can't just be like, oh, well, that's sad. What am I going to do? Like, you have to say, you have to, you have to say something. You have to protect yourself. Like, she's obviously not a mandated reporter. She was a teenager, but it's still, maybe if you ask someone who was not in the profession that I am or or am going to be, you might get a different answer. Uh, Although, I still think she had a responsibility to say something. She did. I don't even think that's her responsibility. I actually don't even think it's her responsibility to prevent. However, she encouraged. Right. And that's a huge difference. It's one thing if you're going to take the fact like, you know what? What? I'm not going to get involved. Like, I don't want to know. Like, I'm not. not I'm not free speech, though. The freedom of speech. (sighs) To encourage. Yeah, I think it's freedom of speech. Personally, I do. Because uh, they actually convicted her on. The causation while saying the only thing they convicted her on her when is when he got out of the truck and then she was like, no, get back in. But everything up to that was pretty much freedom of speech. I I think I think that's the right thing. I I would even argue some of the comments that she made prior to in the text messages were causation. But they are the prosecutor said it perfectly. All she had to say was get out of the car. But instead she said, get back in the car or something to that effect. Don't be a pussy. Go go through with it. She was sentenced to a 15-month prison sentence. Now, the reason I want to do this case is because she is now serving her prison sentence as of February, and all reports coming in from the media, she is a model inmate. And her actual letter of apology she was talking about moving into the direction of mental health guidance and kind of like stuff you're doing counseling or whatever. Mm-hmm. I see something positive coming out of this. I hope so. I don't know if she'll ever be able to get a job in, in that field, considering the, the she'll have yeah. to, she'll have to go far West or somewhere. They're going to look into her background and I, I don't know if she'll actually be able to get a job. However, she may be able to get a job as a motivational speaker, but I don't know if you would want to hire someone to speak that was like, I convinced my boyfriend to kill himself and now I'm helping you guys not kill yourself. Would you hire someone like that? Like that, uh, the defense said, it was just very sad, very unique case. But anyway, this this uh, episode was for me because I uh, have sympathy for the lady killers out there. I just want you to know that if you're listening to this, that 
we all appreciate you and that you matter. And if you're struggling with mental illness, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Just please go get some help. Love yourselves. Love your friends. We love you. And um, good night. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. Uh. <laughs> that was a little jazzy on there. Yeah. It ain't me. Most of the time it's y'all creaking and cracking. It's all mostly these, me. All I mean, these chairs creaking and cracking. Okay, I'll go roll in the desk chair for Jen. <laughs> no. What? Wait, it's, I don't it's need John's a desk chair. chair. I want like a stool. You're more likely to do it if you know that he's asking because you're just going to get frustrated because he it, he won't stop asking. It's frustrating, so you just do it out of frustration. Oh, this is like pucker or something. No, it's not pucker. Pucker to you, fucker. Wait. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what is that? What does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. I'm already drunk. <laughs> <laughs>